You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Hoosiers. It is Friday, August 20th. I am your host, Jacob Rude. Thank you for making this a part of your daily routine. As I've said, we have a guest today, but before we jump into that conversation, I wanted to give you guys a couple news and notes. If you guys are craving football as much as I'm starting to, there's no better place to get all the news on the Big Ten Conference than with Nate Dickinson and the Locked On Big Ten Podcast. You can follow them over on the Odyssey app or wherever you guys get podcasts. We have a good friend of mine, Ben Raphael, who will be joining us in just a moment. We are going to talk expectations for this season, why it feels so weird to be (laughs) excited about IU football, Um, some of our players we're most excited to watch, and what determines success, conversation that I had earlier in the week. I'm going to talk to Ben about it as well, but... Before we do any of that, as always, you guys can subscribe to Locked on Hoosiers wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can follow me at Jacob Rude. You can follow the show at LO underscore Hoosiers. Now, ultimately, my conversation with Ben had to be split up into two parts. So here's the first part of that. Second part should run on Monday of next week. But without further ado, here you guys go. I am joined now with a good friend of mine. I IU alum, Crimson Quarry alum, uh, maybe most importantly, Jeopardy winner, Ben Raphael. Ben, how you doing, bud? I'm I'm doing well, thanks. Um, yeah, this whole Jeopardy hosting saga has been <laughs> interesting. It's uh, um, yeah, just I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised that you know producer sort of Dick Cheneyed himself into the role <laughs> there, but um, you know it's just. It's just too bad to hear all the stuff that's come out about him after they were they were giving him the job. I mean, he I mean he did like a fine, serviceable job when he was um, guest hosting. But I mean, this all this stuff that's come come out about what he's said in the past and what's happened on previous game shows he was involved with it's just not a great look for the show or for Sony. But that's that's just an aside. So that's just my feelings on this. It's just it's just been an interesting couple of weeks in that regard. Yeah, I was telling a friend today. I'm ve- I'm a very casual Jeopardy uh, watcher. I will, if I'm watching TV around that time, I'll turn it on. But that's about it. But I was saying I hadn't really followed it. But you kind of almost had to with all the news that's been coming out about it the last week or so. And yeah, it is a very interesting situation. But as you said, we are not the Locked On Jeopardy podcast. Maybe you can start that up. But we are the uh, the Locked On Hoosiers podcast, obviously. And Honestly, we were just kind of talking a little bit beforehand. It's a really weird almost time to be an IU fan because there's so much optimism. I mean, we and we talked about it uh, just kind of DMs and whatnot before we did this. What are you, I mean, how's it feel to be optimistic like this about an IU football season? Um, it's a change, really, but I think this optimism has sort of crept up along the time as Tom Allen has been coached because you've sort of seen gradual improvement year over year. I think last year we were just happy to get some games in the schedule by the time the season started in late October. And, you know, with the uncertainty around 
COVID and were they going to have a season, it was at least hard for, for me to think, okay, what's going to happen when the games actually start? But, you know, after two breakthrough seasons, really, uh, with strong results and some really great victories along the way, it is very different to have this optimism about IU football and not have this feeling of, okay, well, what's going to happen in the fourth quarter? How are they going to blow this game this time when now the, the talk is, okay, um, which, you know, marquee Big Ten football team do they th- do we think we can beat this year? So it's a lot of fun, though. Like seeing IU in the preseason top 25 on Monday was like, was such a joy. It was just like, real. I was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening almost. That's kind of been a theme I've had in doing these shows. And I've kind of mentioned that there's a lot of things I pay attention to now with college football that I didn't. We've talked about the the polls, both the coaches and the AP poll. Um, we're looking at all American preseason, all American stuff. And like we talked yesterday about the best players in the big 10 and how IU probably has five of the top 25. And it's just so many different things that you don't normally pay attention to as an IU fan. It it makes us a lot more exciting than as we get closer and closer and more of this stuff comes out. Like, I just can't help but be more and more excited. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Um, as my Twitter handle, VT Ben, might indicate, I grew up in Vermont for a while. And I think I was like one of five people in my high school who cared about college football. But I've always loved the sport. and. I've just loved all the fanfare pageantry around it. And, you know, when I got to IU, it was 2012, so the very beginning of the Wilson era. And, you know, I had to beg some friends to go go with me from our tailgates to the games. And oftentimes I was unsuccessful at this. And the stadium was half full on a good day. Uh, And so hearing about how the ticket prices, what they are now – and um, all the people buying season tickets is just really a, a lot of fun. And it's great to see IU fans really into a sport that I've loved for years. Yeah, we were both there for some some of the really bad years. Some of the I started 09 was my freshman year there. That was Bill Lynch's second to last season. That was a season he was throwing gum into the Michigan stands. But I yeah, there have been I remember. The only time I could conceivably think of a sellout when IU was, uh, or when I first started there was when IU would play Ohio State. And it was just because there were so many Ohio State fans coming to get a cheap ticket to watch the game, basically. And now, like, that's something else I haven't even considered. Like, every home game should probably be sold out. I don't know that, the, I, I keep saying I don't know if there's ever, when I talk about IU football, and it feels like such a hyperbole, but like legitimately, this is like one of the most talented teams, one of the some of the highest expectations they've ever had. Like, I don't even know how much of a hyperbole it is. The only season I think you can really compare to it is probably the 68 season after they came after they went to the Rose Bowl, like the, that 67, 68 season. But like outside of that, this is <laughs> this is like all time IU interest basically like people care about this more than certainly i ever remember anybody caring about iu football yeah i I agree it's i mean i am part of the iu alumni board here in boston and and we i think for the first time are getting excited about doing football game watches this fall in the area 
And we did the only time we've done that before are for bowl games. So mm-hmm. the fact that we're excited to try and get some of these in in the regular season um, really says a lot because usually we just do the bowl game when we make one and you know five or six basketball games during the year. So the fact that we're getting interest about the football games really says a lot. And I mean, all credit to Tom Allen really for building up the pro up the profile of this team. Um, you know, he came into a situation where I guess he was promoted to head coach after one year of defensive coordinator, but from right away, he, he sort of knew he understood the state. Um, I think it took him a year or two to sort of get his bearings as a head coach. And then I think by the third year, he had done a couple of things such as um, hired a full-time defensive coordinator. He got a new offensive coordinator in the recruiting. He had those ties in Florida and Mississippi and, and other states um, with a lot of big-time recruits. Um, start That started to get rolling. So by year three, um, which was 2019 when they went um, eight and four, should, and uh, should have been nine win Indiana season. <laughs> uh, so sad. But by then, you could really – tell them the, the gears were grinding on, on this whole thing. And um, there's just something so real and genuine about the guy too. He really cares about about this program, about his players, about the university. And it, it shows in, in all his interviews and all his post-game comments. So it's really cool to see. And I think in turn, people have responded to that. I mean, not only is the team getting better, but you, know, you see a guy who's so enthusiastic about being the coach and that enthusiasm really rubs off on the team. Possibly my favorite moment from last season was after that Wisconsin win, when Tom Allen's doing the interview and the players are walking behind him to go into the locker room and just about every one of them stopped and said something, hugged them, told there's a couple of them that got on the mic and said, told recruits to come to Indiana. And just like you said, he's such a genuine person to get just that total buy-in from everybody on the team and the environment he's created. It's special. It, Like you said, it takes a lot to kind of break IU fans of decades and decades of what they've basically been trained to experience. So that honestly might be the most impressive thing he's done to where we're heading into a season with certainly the most optimism we've ever, we've ever had. But we're going to talk a little bit about some of the players that are going to be involved in this season and who we're most excited to watch here in just a moment. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, many, many more. Not only are Built Bars tasty, though, they're also healthy as well. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. So on yesterday's show, I talked about the top five players on the team. We mentioned the Big Ten network rankings. I won't tell you who I had as my best player on the team, but who would you say coming into the season is the best player on this team? So did you say Penix? Because, I mean, I, I think, I mean, Mike Penix might be the best returning uh, Big Ten quarterback right now. And 
when the when the guy is healthy, he is just a machine. Uh, he's such a threat because he can both pass and run with it in a way that um, other dual threat quarterbacks from past IU teams uh, they've been able to do one or the other. But we really haven't seen this type of QB play at IU since Antoine Randall L. Yeah, that's a comparison I had made. It, that's not who I said, but it's it's hilarious that's the name you picked because this kind of proves my point. So the Big Ten Network is only to to number 10. That's where Penix came in on their list of players. They haven't named Ty Freifogel on this list oh. of top 30 players. So presumably he's in the top 10. So they would they would say Freifogel's the best player. I said Taiwan Mullen is the best player on this team. And realistically the case I kind of made yesterday is that any of the three of them, I think you could make a pretty easy argument is the best player on this team. Now I kind of switch it up a bit. Is Penix the guy you're also most excited to watch this season? Yeah, I think, I think it is. I mean, there's just a level of excitement when he plays, he's coming off an ACL. I believe that ACL tear was in late November. So it's been about mm-hmm. nine months of recovery. I think that's around the time that they um, say recovery um, is for, is for, Torn ACL, and you know you see with some quarterbacks they get rushed back and they're never quite the same. And but other QBs they're able to come back after nine months with a torn ACL. So you're definitely excited about him. But I do see excitement from the other two guys you mentioned, like Taiwan Mullen. Uh, every play he's involved with on the defensive side of the ball, there's a chance that something uh, exciting might happen. And he's just been such a good lockdown corner for the team for Freifogel he put up some incredible stats I think he had two games in a row with over 200 yards of receiving and now with Watt Fillier gone he is definitely the wide receiver one on the team but I think with that too he might not get as many options you know opposing teams defenses their if their top corner is going to be trailing Freifogel then maybe he's going to have not as successful of a year, but at the same time, he did so well last year that it's quite possible he's going to have another awesome season. And you just know he's you know, a threat to catch the ball every time he's lined up. And it just is great to have someone like him on your team, knowing that you know he can put up those, those yards too, and he can just go off in a game like that. So Penix is the name that comes to mind for most exciting and maybe best player. But yeah, you've got guys all over the field who can really step it up. I mean, the other, the other guy on defense I might mention in with, with them is um, Micah McFadden at, at linebacker. Yeah, he was also on that list too. Just looking back at Fry Fogel's year, you mentioned he had 200 yards against Michigan state, 218 against Ohio state. And before both those, he had 142 yards against Michigan. He had 560 yards in three games with six touchdowns against three of the tougher teams IU faced last year. He was incredible. Like you you said, you kind of made the argument for each of them. I would say Penix is probably the most exciting just because like the ceiling's so high with him when he's on. Like there isn't a throw he can't make. And he has the weapons. We mentioned Freifogel. Uh, Hendershot, we talked about yesterday. Miles Marshall will be back. DJ Matthews, a transfer. And then Stephen Carr in the backfield as well. Like 
he has so many weapons he'll be able to use. And so when he's on, that Ohio State game was one of the most fun games I've ever watched IU play. Naturally, it came in a loss, which may be the most telling thing about IU football. But just it seemed like every time he dropped back, there was a chance it could be a touchdown. And I don't know how many quarterbacks (laughs) that that was the case for. You mentioned Antoine Randall L. I certainly didn't feel that way with like, Ben Chapel or I don't even know Sudfeld or guys like that like they were good quarterbacks but just the explosive playability of Penix makes it just makes every play feel like it could be one that's just busted open and is a huge play or a touchdown now Tom Allen's goal this season we mentioned a couple players defensively one of Tom Allen's goals he said this season was to have a top 10 defense. Do you think this defense is good enough to be top 10 nationally this year? It's possible. The thing I'm a little worried about is that last year's defensive coordinator, Kane Womack, who did such a good job with the team, um, is now the head coach at South Alabama. And this is, I think this is how I know IU is really becoming a college football program is that in the past two years, two of their coordinators have gotten poached to um, lower group of five FBS jobs. Kalen DeBear was OC for one year, I believe, and he had come from Fresno State, and then their t- coach retired, and DeBear took over that job for him. And now Womack took over for South Alabama, which I believe where he's from. Um, I think, I want to say he's the youngest FBS coach in America. This is sort of off topic, but it is kind of cool that now we have these rooting interests in group of five. Like I'm going to be checking each Saturday to see what how Fresno State did. I'm going to be checking to see if South Alabama is able to, you know, hang with some of those SEC teams they play in non-conference. So that, that to me is pretty cool that we've sort of had this feeder system for the defense. But the guy coming in, Charlton Warren, he's been around a lot of big programs most recently at UGA, um, I think he's known as being a top recruiter too. And I, I really think there's a chance we keep this re- momentum rolling on defense um, with, with him there. Now, in terms of the players, I know um, two I want to um, – or three, I guess I want to point out. Ryder Anderson, grad transfer, um, defensive end is, is coming in, came from Ole Miss. There's also Marcelino McCrary-Ball, the Husky. He missed all last season um, due to an injury. Having him back will be great. And then um, Weston Kramer uh, is a transfer defensive tackle from Northern Illinois. So, you know, in addition to guys like Mullen and McFadden, who are really um, established stars of that defense, you know, you're going to get a couple transfers in and you're going to get Ball back, who had a, a great couple seasons before 2020. There's a lot of potential. Top 10 is really a high bar i'm hoping that we could get there i think you know the question is that this if this offense is really scoring points and, and, and not um you know this was a problem with the wilson arrows the offense would score all these points and then the defense would never have time to to rest so it's i, I know allen in general his approach has been a little bit more balanced than wilson's but to have that um to have that balance to really let the defense shine when they're on the field will be really important if we want to get to that top 10 defense level. To your first point, Tom Allen talked during this kind of fall training camp that 
it is basically the sign of a good program that you're seeing coordinators kind of poached off and getting these jobs elsewhere. And that's just kind of one of the consequences of success, so to speak, is that you're always going to get these guys kind of poached off. I think there's always going to be a baseline for what this defense is going to be. Um, It's always going to be fluid, hybrid type of defense that's able to throw multiple things at you. Um, We've seen that through a couple different coordinators now, but top 10 is ambitious. They were right on the cusp, depending on where you look, basically a top 25, top 30 defense last year. So that's a pretty significant jump, especially now that you're playing. They have a couple, I mean, playing Cincinnati, some of these tougher non-conference games is is certainly not going to help, but it's going to be interesting to see how successful they are. And as you mentioned, how much maybe the offense kind of dictates the success of the defense. If Penix is explosive as, as we talked about, then maybe it's not a great thing at times for the defense. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of balances itself out. After this break, couple more things talk about what determines success for iu and just kind of projecting the this season it's that time of year again and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season get all the updated odds props and contests including the half million dollar nfl mega contest and the two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor contest open now at bet online Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus with promo code Locked On. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 19th season opener between the Bucks and Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded to you up to $25. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. So, Earlier this week, I talked a little bit about success with this season. I used uh, their over-under prediction as kind of a baseline. Have you seen the over-under for IU football this year? It is seven and a half. I was kind of using the baseline. If they get eight wins this season, is that, would you consider that a successful season? Absolutely. So it's it's funny. Um, I did this, this informal Twitter poll a couple weeks ago, and... You know, it's Twitter. You can push yes or no and write whatever on there. But um, the question I posed was, um, would 7-5 and five be a disappointment for this year's Indiana football team? There are a couple of big um, IU accounts you know, re- retweeted this or sort of got the word out. And then it turned out over 800 people answered this poll. And about 65% said, yes, 7-5 and five would be a disappointment. And you know, for you and me, it's just that something like that is just crazy to think about considering the goal a lot of the times, I mean, was just to has been just to get to the bowl game, you know, ever since Terry Hepner said play thirteen, I think back in two thousand five, two thousand six, and um, you know, they got to that game sadly after he he passed away. Yeah, this was a program that did not make a bowl game over a decade, made one bowl game between 1994 and 2014 and um has four in the past six years which is pretty cool but um yeah considering what indiana football has come from the idea of seven and five being a disappointing season is kind of amazing but i mean when you do have this preseason rank of 17 i can see it from that from that point of view like yeah seven and five might not be where we wanted to be um, but your question was about eight and four, and that's sort of what I'm predicting for the team this year. 
Um, we've got a couple tough games at the beginning of the season. I think being satisfied with eight and four, especially in the Big Ten East, when you know what you're up against, you know what you're up against every year in the Big Ten East. OSU, Penn State, and I know Michigan. I think a lot of Michigan fans I know are down on the team. Michigan's not having the high expectations, but as they as they once were, you know, Harbaugh is sort of on the hot hot seat. But at the end of the day, they're still they're still Michigan. That game's in the big house. That game's not a guarantee. So you know you're coming up against those. You know we happen to catch Cincinnati at a time when Cincinnati is a legit top ten uh, team in the country. You know Luke Fickle's really putting together something something special down there. And I was like secretly hoping that a um, team would hire him away from Cincinnati, knowing that knowing that this home and home was coming up against them the next two years. But that didn't happen. Yeah, so it, it's always it's always tough with you know Indiana getting that Big Ten East draw. Um, and I think eight and four would be a, a successful se- season. And um, I can get why some people would say seven and five isn't. But I think considering what we've been through with IU football and what Tom Allen is building, I think seven and five is still a perfectly fi- fine result. For you know, it seems like he's really just getting things started. You know, you mentioned this is the most talented roster you think you've ever seen for IU. Well, now he's putting together, I think, the best recruiting class I've ever seen um, for 2022. Yeah. So, like, it, you know, I think it's just the trajectory is still going up, like, regardless of the win-loss total for this season. My argument was mainly that Michigan isn't going to stay down forever. Like Penn State, they're a little down. Like I use probably right there level with them. Like a couple of these places, Michigan State isn't going to stay down forever. Like this feels like a golden opportunity this season for IU to win these games. Like these are this is probably the the most they're going to be favored in that kind of stretch of games from October second to November sixth. It's Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. Maryland and Michigan they'll probably not be favored at Penn State and Ohio State but I would imagine they're going to be favored in the other three games so I don't know how many times that's going to happen that was my main argument just to kind of take advantage of this opportunity we also don't have Wisconsin this year so your crossover game is an easier game as well or one of them at least so that was my main argument I would still I still find myself one of one of the first things I did when I looked at this IU schedule, even knowing that we were ranked, was counting off, are there six surefire wins? <laughs> like, I still find myself looking like, are we certain that we're getting to a bowl game? Like, I, well, I'll ask this first. Is there, like, any sort of win or a win over anyone specifically? Like, if we beat Ohio State, are you more okay with, like, a 7-5 and five or a 6-6 six and six season? Or does any one game really Yeah, the Ohio that? State... The Ohio State game is is big, obviously. If we can win that game at, at home, I think that would be a, a glorious moment for the program. Um, and you know, then maybe you have a letdown a game or two after that because you know when you see other Big Ten programs beat Ohio State, like I'm just thinking Iowa and Purdue in recent years, they've sort of had some letdown games after after that big win. So. Yeah, I think um, I think seven and five with like that marquee win over OSU would really would I'd be I'd be okay with that I think because just 
you know, getting that getting that win over clear best Big Ten team and you know team that was in the CFP final last year, that really will just do wonders for um reputation uh and for for program. I'm not I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think if there's a year we can do it, that this might might be the one. That will wrap up today's discussion with Ben. As I said, this is kind of a two part discussion. We then went on to break down the entire IU schedule, which is something I'd wanted to do. Ben brought it up, so I figured might as well give it a shot. So come back on Monday, barring any breaking news, and you can listen to Ben and I break down game by game, just kind of our thoughts, and uh, eventually give a projection for how we think the season's going to go and a, a record prediction and whatnot. But I appreciate you guys listening as always. I encourage all you guys to tweet at us. Leave a rating and review. Let us know any ideas you have. You can follow me at Jacob uh, at Jacob Rude. You can follow Ben at VT underscore Ben. You can follow the show at LO underscore Hoosiers. While you're leaving that rating and review, betting on the Hoosiers and college football doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, Wrong team favorite picks and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Hope you guys have an awesome Friday. Hope you have a great weekend and Elio.